scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Push button record. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes. <laughs> That's how it shall be Alrighty. done. It shall be done. Uh, I just gotta do a big stretch. Okay. Stretches is important. I forget to do them all the time. Yeah. Ugh. Oh no, we're getting old and I have to like start moving my body more. The gym, I love the gym. And I It's too much effort. I have Pepe the Frog sitting next to me. <laughs> Pepe. Pepe the Frog. I'm surprised I got it to look so cool. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be a disaster, which, you know, in the land of memes, a, a disastrous Pepe is still a Pepe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, it came out pretty good. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hi. This is the podcast where we ask the question, yeah, remember uh, the odds? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't remember mm. this one, but you did. Yeah. Um, we talk about everything in the odds and inspired by the odds from Hey Monday to Thursday. Hmm. From, I'm just going to... Maybe I'm going a little too from screwattack.com. Did I talk about screwattack.com? What is it called? Screwattack. It was like a gamer website where they used to host the Anger Video Game Nerd videos. Oh, I've never heard of this. But you've heard of, I think you've heard of the Anger Video Game Nerd, right? Well, I've heard of that, but I don't know this website. Yeah, I think Screwattack was a website that hosted this type of like this is like YouTube had not become YouTube. And mm-hmm. most videos were shared on, like, specific websites for sharing them. Like, there was a bunch of websites. Like, I, I know everyone knows uh, You're the Man Now, Dog, um, E-Bombs World, Albino Black Sheep. Newgrounds was maybe, like, the biggest one. But Newgrounds had, like, more gaming and animation culture to it and uh, pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. S- soft pornography. But, like, 2000s, like, edgy, like, they ain't cook comedy type of pornography. Sure, sure. Um, I don't really know the differences in pornography that much. It's all right. We don't need to go back to that. It was, <laughs> there was good times, and then there were bad times. Okay. I, I can't really speak in regards of uh, porn- pornography and how it's changed. I can have a whole lecture about <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you can lead that one. And I will just be technical support. All we need to know nowadays in 2021 is support independent creators and their endeavors. Mm -hmm. That's all I stand by. You know, support sex work is real work. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult and it's challenging and we need to respect the people doing it. Yeah. And now we're going to talk about a children's show. Yes. (laughs) Now, you, you mentioned this to me, I think, after we did... Um, after, literally after we recorded for, um, Cry Baby Lane, which that was a fucking... Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm still not over that, Tom. That was something else. Yeah. Um, even, like, going back and listening to the recording of the episode, I was still not about it. I was still trying to figure out how I felt about it. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. So, we were talking about... There was a moment in the episode where we talk about how Nickelodeon had Are You Afraid of the Dark, Cartoon Network had Goosebumps, and then I even say, like, oh, that's so weird, and I guess I was, like, subconsciously thinking of, like, well, what was Disney's 
version of that like teen tween spooky supernatural show and for Disney it was so weird and I loved that show so I was actually really surprised when you had not heard of it can you hear it? This place must be swarming with unsettled spirits. Can you see it? Is the man on the road a ghost? Don't turn around, because once you do, you won't believe it. Step inside it. The Phillips family tour bus for a road trip into the paranormal. She can predict the future. It's so weird with Fee and her rock star mom working together to solve the mysteries of the unknown. That was really freaky. Watch. So weird. It's every week and it's only on Disney Channel. Yeah. Wait, did Cartoon Network have Goosebumps? I thought that they were the ones who would, like, release the episodes. I remember it was on, I think it was on Fox. Like, Fox Kids. I think that's where it was. But then I don't know. Uh, Okay, I've heard it both ways. It might have been something that, like, started on Fox Kids, because I definitely remember it there. Okay. But then, like, Cartoon Network eventually, like, you know, the Time Warner Network eventually gobbles up a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Gobbledy, gobbledy. But I don't think, I don't think it was the Saturday morning Fox Kids, was it? Because that's when I would watch Digimon and like Metabots. Mm, I'm not sure. I don't think they would put it on the Saturday morning Fox Kids. Like I remember some episodes coming out on Fox, but then I remember later on Cartoon Network would share episodes of Fox. I mean, I'm, oh my goodness, Cartoon Network would share episodes of Goosebumps. Yeah, now I'm very curious. Okay, I did look at this. I looked at this. Where did Goosebumps air? Goosebumps air. It did air on Fox. Okay. Um, and then maybe it got syndicated by Nickelodeon. Uh, I mean, um, Cartoon Network. I'm not sure. Broadcast history. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're you're right. Fried. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> Every October in two from in two thousand seven to two thousand nine, Cartoon Network would air Goosebumps. Okay, that makes sense. There we go. There we go. Because I just sort of associated Goosebumps and then the later ones that they made with Jack Black with Cartoon Network. Oh, that I actually liked that first Goosebumps movie, but then they, they made another. A lot of one. people liked it. They made <laughs> yeah. a, then they made another one. Sure, and I'm assuming that one wasn't as good. I didn't even bother. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a lot of people like the Jack Black one. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I just... remember it being received well. But now you, you brought up a good point. Did Nickel- Did Disney Channel have their version of this? And it turns out they did. And I was unaware mm-hmm. for so long because mm-hmm. I didn't get Disney Channel until like 2005. Okay, okay. I loved this show. I know, I you were it was very great. excited. And I see why you love it. It's very charming and very well written. It's very well written. I thought the acting was good. I feel like it implemented supernatural events and different like myths and stuff like that and different creatures. But at the same time, I never felt scared. I felt like it was more about the story than it was me actually being terrified. Because Goosebumps... I definitely couldn't handle. That was definitely scary. Are you afraid of the dark? For some reason, I could handle more. But looking back on it, I was still like, oh my god, that shit was terrifying. Like, there's the one at the bottom of the boarding school where they go to the pool and just, like, a bloody skeleton appears out of the pool. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that one. Yes. Yes. There are some that we definitely blocked out. 
but so weird I felt like was always supernatural and still like wasn't focusing on being scary it was more about the story and sort of like the sadness and longing from family to like hang on to their loved ones what do we do for our loved ones and then like is there a way that we could ever get them back or find them if they've passed on yeah because like I only I didn't want I had to watch some episodes to get caught up and I watched the Mm -hmm. first episode and do you want to give a bit a basic premise of the show yeah so um and I think also like what's so great about this show is that um it does really revolve around early aughts early um late 90s technology because it is all about um this teenager fee fiona who has a website where she encounters um, or she documents her supernatural encounters and people can send her emails about their supernatural encounters to her website and um, she spends her life on the road with her rock star mom, played by Mackenzie Phillips, mm-hmm. known as Molly Phillips in the show. And they sort of like form this like friend family with uh, Mackenzie Phillips's driver on the show, um, who is the voice of the Ox King in what? the Dragon Ball Z anime. Yes. Wait. Um. Yeah. He's the Ox King? He's the Ox King, man. Whoa. He is the mm-hmm. Ox King. He is the Ox King. And um, I knew it immediately when I found out that that was his voice. I was like, oh, I remember that voice as a child. Um, so it's about this sort of like makeshift family of like Fee, her mom who is a widow, her brother, and then the driver, the driver's wife, and also their son, Clue, who is played by Eric Von Detten. Mm-hmm. And it's about them going on the road, and while um, Molly, her mom, is, like, singing and performing, they experience supernatural encounters on their journeys. And it's not um, just, like, made up. Like, you're saying it's based on, yeah. like, real folklore and real histori- like history, too. Yeah, and it's based on these myths, not just the sense of like spooky haunted ghost stories. Like I actually think the ones that are like werewolf vampire don't actually fit to me in the story as much as like the Banshee or the will of the wisp or like the Norwegian troll episode. Um, another one that I really enjoyed is the episode where um, Fee plugs her laptop into like an internet cable at a hospital and then she's somehow able to connect with like the psyche of a girl who is in a coma and she like uses her laptop to connect to the little girl in the brain like the age she was when she was in the coma and somehow navigate her home and wake up from her coma so like it's so good and I just feel like this show is more about like family and sort of like the great sadness of loss more than like oh my god i'm gonna scare you no that's true so the show starts in oh my gosh hold on i went to other shows i have to say though that there was i mean it's not a big deal because Mm -hmm. it's like a fantasy show you know you gotta you know take it as is uh i didn't realize they lived on a bus at first Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. They live on a bus, which is like, you know, as a child, like as a child, that's exciting. Like, oh, you get to live on a bus. But as an adult, you're like, I never want to live on a bus. 
Yeah, you you hear from musicians who tour that they hate living on a bus because yeah. it's like claustrophobic and you can't get anywhere and you're just stuck together. Um, so the show starts in 1999, right on the cusp of coming into the aughts. Um, it stars Cara Delizia, who at this point had just been in like a couple of Ashley and Mary Kate Olsen home videos. Um, and Mackenzie Phillips, who at this time is like trying to reinvent her career. I thought this was a great role for her because she kind of plays like a pseudo version of herself. Um, hmm. And then so it stars Cara Delizia for two seasons. And then after that, um, she decides she wants to go on to other things and try acting and they replace her with Alex Johnson for the third season, and nobody likes it. I was going to say, like, I mentioned it to you, like, I did some look into the production of the show, and when I realized mm-hmm. she left, I was just kind of like, wait, she's, like, the heart of this. How does, you know, how does the show yeah. continue without her? Right, and I think that was always going to be the case. I mean, my mom and I watched the first episode of the third season to see how they would make it work, and you just sort of lose that connection because it's not her family. Like, what made Fee work is that, like, it is her family. She does everything to protect them and find her father, you know, or, like, what happened to her father because he died in a car accident when she was three. But throughout the show's run, they imply that he was also really into the supernatural things and that the car accident could have been caused because of his interests in the supernatural. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So she tries to uncover it as she goes. As soon as you lose that main character, what is the point? Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's... And then, like, the, the the thing they say is, like, oh, she wanted to live a normal life. It's like, no, she was fairly hell-bent on this. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I, I feel like the, the plot, like, the moment where she, like, passes on, like, her family's ring that sort of like protects them from the supernatural she passes it on to alex johnson that's just a bad move yeah you shouldn't be getting rid of your family's ring just handing it to some girl who wants to be a musician yeah so then that musician that girl goes on to the end's instant star alex johnson um and also i don't know if you knew this so Cara Delizia goes on to Boston Public, which is a TV show that only runs, I think, for about two to three years. Um, my mom and I started watching that because we recognized her as Fee. And she's like a teen who is pregnant. Guess who is also on the show? Captain America. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Amazing. <laughs> Captain America was on this small TV show about a Boston high school and its teachers and staff. And, you know, he's like the jock or whatever. God bless him. Yeah, he's got the Letterman jacket on. Amazing. So, Fee was on a show with Captain America. Bless him. I love him. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that show didn't run too long either. But, um, so I was really excited to talk about So Weird because I feel like it's it's kind of in the same field as like those other shows that we've mentioned and the other things that we've talked about. But I feel like it sometimes gets left out of the conversation a lot. 
And I feel like it also has like a lot of soul and I feel like a lot of it's in its storytelling. Like you mentioned that like without Fee, what is the show? I feel like for a teenager, she was a really good actress. She was. She was very Mm -hmm. strong and I enjoyed it. It was a, I enjoyed from what I watched. The only comment I have to say is how did she have internet on a bus? In, in 1999. In 1999. Well, that's where I feel like... I just have TV to accept show te- it. Yeah. TV show technology is always a few years ahead of where it actually is. Yeah. You know? Like, um, I love when Parks and Rec goes a few years into the future and we all just have, like, floating glass screens as our phones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was a... Oh, my God. I'm... I, it's weird to remember I was there for when that show ended. Like, I was still watching it weekly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Parks and Rec. I, I I have, like, a lot of issues with watching shows, finales, because I just don't want it to end for me. I know, but it's gotta end. I think... I know. I have a hot take. I think Parks and Rec ended a lot better than The Office ended. Ooh. Throwing it. I'm th- I'm throwing it out there. I think that The Office is a great show, but lost steam after mm. Pam and Jim got married. I disagree with that statement. I feel like there was still more to the show after Pam and Jim got married. I don't like the part of the show where they start to develop relationship issues. Uh, that was very uncomfortable for me because it felt too real. Like, it felt like a very real situation where a couple could get divorced. Um, but it also just didn't feel like Pam and Jim. But I guess that was the point. It was like, okay, they're a perfect couple. What happens when they're, like, really pushed to the edge? Um, but as far as endings go, it's really hard because I love both of those shows. Um, I mean, if I'm going to enter another contender... The good place ending is definitely the best ending. It was well. I think they. I think they had the plan from the start, like how to end. Yes. It. Yeah, and then Parks and Rec. It did have a really good ending. It was really good. It sort of closed things up exactly where they should be. Um, I love that Gary's favorite town that he wants to vacation in is Indianapolis. God bless him. <laughs> God he bless just loves him. Indianapolis. That's amazing. Um, but The Office, I do have some issues with The Office ending. But at the same time, like, that's another show that, like, it took me a really long time to watch the ending. Although I really love the wedding. I love Dwight's wedding. No, it was I love beautiful. that part of it. It was yeah, nice. I, I don't like the documentary interview part of it. I like the Dwight's wedding part of it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But, um... What episodes of So Weird did you watch? Do you want to talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. I, I think it's also because I watched the first episode. It's a great place to start. Yeah. So first episode, they go to Chicago, and they're performing at the theater, I think that was either replaced or next to the famous Chicago Fires. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the whole premise is... The cow. Yeah. The cow. <laughs> The basic premise is that Fiona starts to see a ghost in the building and she has to Mm -hmm. unpack his story and try to help him get, you know, put him at peace. It was a very, like, it's again, it's only a 27-minute show. Mm -hmm. But, like, I was kind of blown away. I'm like, oh, they're going there. Like, also the effects, the production for this, 
very well done. There's like a scene where like there's a haunting happening and this whole room starts to like pivot and like 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 twirl and they're like mm-hmm. hanging on and it's like almost like they're like on a sinking ship. And I'm like, that's a lot of production value. But I mean it's Disney Channel. I mean I'm I'm assuming they could afford that more so than like are you <laughs> sure, in the sure. Canadian budgets? Sure. I do feel like uh, taking on the subject of, yeah, let's start a children's show on Disney about child death and a child ghost. Yeah, that's what it was. It was a, I don't even want to necessarily jump to the, move. to the spoiler, but yes, to spoil it. The ghost yeah. is, a, is a dead child who died on aboard a sinking ship and has been lost from his parents. And she helps to reunite the ghosts with each other. And that was that was wow. That was a that was a punch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, the bus driver is also their teacher. Squatch. Yep. His Squatch is, is their Squatch teacher. In real life. Because um, like that, that's yeah. another thing I think I'm glad they took into account. It's like, yeah, these kids are on tour, but they still have to like do school. I mean, the thing is, is during the pandemic, I have heard of a lot of parents learning how to homeschool their kids. Um, so it, it's not entirely uncommon for someone to learn how to become a homeschooling teacher. So that way they can still get their education in, especially in a scenario like that, where it's just them on the tour bus. That kind of makes sense. Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. It made sense. Yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. like, it was just an interesting thing I thought about. I'm like, oh yeah, if they're on a tour bus, they would have to learn. Cause that's another, like another show that did like the tour bus sort of thing was, um, mm-hmm. Wild Thornberries. Yes. But I mean, instead of musicians, they were like animal, like they broadcasted an animal television show. Yeah. And I just thought of them like, does, do they ever like do schoolwork? Right. Right. I mean, I, do you remember when we used to play the Nigel Thorn, uh, we used to play the Thornberries, like doing like an animal documentary, but it was for Pokemon. Yes. Oh my God. We did do that. Yeah. We did do that with Elliot. That oh God bless him, Elliot. Um, he just like was like happy to be included. He was just along for the ride. He was a good kid. It's he been was a like good kid. fucking. It's been a long time. Jesus, memories. I know, I know we're old. Thirty. Um, Thirty. Um, but no, you're right. There, there is like the thornberries aspect to it. Um. But at least then there was, like, sort of a real-life counterpart, which was Steve Irwin. So it made sense at the time. Like, yeah, sure, a family could go around a bus and make a animal show. Um, and then I think for Mac- with uh, So Weird, it worked because of Mackenzie Phillips, because she actually was a musician. And, you know, um, she, she had gone intro, through a lot. Right? Hmm? She wrote the intro to the song, I think. Because, like, I remember... In one of the, in one of the episodes I watched, they play that song on stage, and I'm like, "That's the intro of the song." Oh Coming yeah, to the no, show. honestly, yeah. the music is pretty good. All right. This is going like to be a hot take. I'm so sorry. I don't No, do you not like it? I don't like the intro song. 
But I loved in okay, not jumping too far ahead, but in the but in the Banshee one. Oh my god. The Irish song she sang, that was a fucking the jam. Rock. Dude, the Rock. No, the Rock. Um I Maybe it's because I heard the song as a kid, the intro song, so that when I heard it as an adult, it just sort of immediately came back to me, and it it felt nostalgic. So maybe it's that. Um, And then when I watched the Banshee episode, and I knew she was going to start singing, there was a part of me that was like, okay, I knew this was emotional as a kid. I don't know if it's going to hit the same as an adult. It hit even harder as an adult. Oh, no. Yeah, it was it was emotional. It is. I have it pulled up right now because I'm like, yo, that song slaps. It's beautiful. <sighs> it's intense. Yeah. I like in that episode that she keeps calling him Da. Da. I liked that as a kid. I thought that was great. I liked her Irish parents. Fee's Irish grandfather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, The Rock's a good song. It's a great song. Also, it, I mean, it just makes sense. Like, I guess, like, I haven't done a lot of research into it, but I remember when we, you and I both took an Irish literature class in high school. Ugh, yes. A lot of Irish literature expresses this sort of pain. Yeah. But makes it beautiful. Irish people love singing about pain. But making it beautiful. Like, there is always a hint of optimism. It's not nihilistic. Right. I mean, I think even when we were in that class and we listened to like a Christmas song, it wasn't a happy <laughs> Christmas song. It was about them being two terrible people. <laughs> that was awesome. I think oh the hives God. covered that Christmas song. Probably. But yeah, that was okay. the first episode, like... And then I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the second one. Did you, do you, mm-hmm. do you remember the second one? It's, um, she gets like psychic emails. That one I don't remember. All right. So the basic premise is her computer is being sent psychic emails that predict things are going to happen. And it starts off small, like, oh, you're, you know, you got, your mom's going to say this. Oh, but then your guys are going to, your your mom's going to get this review in this town. I forgot where it was. And then it gets intense, like, oh, your boss is going to kill somebody. Jesus. And it's, and it's a race to her trying to, like, figure out when this is going to happen to stop the bus from killing somebody. And the way the story unravels is actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. It was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different pace. Like, I like that it went from all supernatural elements. Like, like the first episode's a ghost. The second one mm-hmm. is psychic emails. Yeah, and I think that the setup for the show made it quite easy for that, right? Because yeah. they're traveling from place to place. And you um, can adopt local legends, local folklore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that worked really well in its favor. And then, like... Because then I also then after that I did watch the um, the Banshee one because I I kinda, so I good. love I love Banshees. It's weird though because like I like it in this the Banshee is more of an emotional support like it's parallel with the real life like 
fear because like if anyone's not familiar the banshee in irish folklore is a the like spirit of a woman who or like an entity that plagues like a family and when someone is set to die the banshee does a like she screams and it's supposed to be like an omen to someone's death mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It, there is this encompassed like fear and it's like for like fear anxiety but also like realization that death is a part of us and how mm-hmm. she has to face that it was a wow like that was a wild episode normally i see banshees as a terrifying creature because that scream mm-hmm. just a just a woman screaming in a field for no reason is terrifying yeah just even the sounds like when um she starts to hear the the banshee is kind of terrifying like you're just going about your day and then you just hear this like low wailing sound yeah i don't think this banshee was very scary but i think it works in its favor that it's not this banshee was more like this banshee was more almost like like really like a spiritual cosmic entity that just is Mm kind of like how death is like it's just the factor of life yeah, it, it feels like it's just there more to serve a purpose. And even when she says, like, you can't take him, because um, she's, like, um, she's visiting her Irish grandparents, and there's some unsettled tension between her mom and her grandfather, but she loves her grandparents, and clearly, like, the grandfather is aging, and um, he is met, like, in his sleep by the Banshee, so Fee tries to like challenge the banshee to like stop her from taking her grandfather because she like wants more time with him and she doesn't think it's fair and she has this big scene where she is like basically challenging death yeah and i mean like she really sells it like if i i was really anticipating to go back and watching this show and being like disappointed by the child acting in it but she actually does a really tremendous job and you can tell she's like really feeling it and um they say like oh there needs to be a balance it like if if we don't take your grandfather there needs to be a balance and they don't really say this but it's heavily implied that years of her life are taken off so that her grandfather can stay because after um after the banshee says to her, like, your grandfather will not die tonight. Um, and then she's like, there's like this big light. And then she sort of just dropped in the middle of nowhere. And she's like freezing cold, shivering and wet. Interesting. So it's I did that like years of her life have been taken from her. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was more because also she Fiona talks about her father. Mm-hmm. And the banshee revealed because, like, obviously, each family has, like, I guess in the Irish folklore, there's a the banshee mm-hmm. haunts the family, and that's like your thing. Mm-hmm. But she mm-hmm. says, like, we didn't take him. Like, her father was taken. Like you said, there's this hint and inkling of other supernatural elements at force. Mm-hmm. So that was a weird, like, little lore build moment where I was like, oh, now I kind of want to know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know if they ever do. I think at the end of se- of the second season, they at least get closer to what happened to the father. But I don't know. I can, I don't remember if it's ever actually decided. So I do want to go back and just watch the first two seasons entirely. Um, 
because throughout different episodes, they, you know, any of the episodes that focus on her family, I think are really, really great. Oh, yeah. Um, in the second season, there's also another episode called Nightmare, which is really good. Um, it's about the brother Jack. He keeps having this like reoccurring nightmare um, where he's sort of in this big lit up square box and um, he like there's a monster that keeps appearing and then he finds out that it's not really about the monster itself or what that is, but it's more about his fear of losing his sister and his mom. Oh, interesting. In the same way that he lost his dad. Mm. Um, And I think it coming from the son's perspective tells a lot about how boys are taught to grow up and not express their emotions. So for to to make him the protagonist of that episode and make it about his nightmares and not necessarily Fee's because he was a lot older to have like a lot more memories with his dad. Um, I feel like was a really great writing move. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, that is a... The show does really well at discussing and analyzing loss. Yeah. Like, taking a look at it, and it's almost like the spiritual folklore elements are almost like filters to help guide us through, you know, these, like, very real emotions and feelings through supernatural means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then there's some episodes that had nothing to do with that, like the Siren episode. Right, right. Featuring Eric Lively, another Lively. Mm-hmm. We talked about Robin Lively from Teen Witch. Yes. And um, this is another Lively sibling. Oh, yeah. And also the Siren episode features Jewel State, who played Keeley in Firefly. I, you know what, you're going to hate me for this. I never watched Firefly. I know you've never watched Firefly, and I have a lot of feelings about it. I know, I'm sorry. It's a good show, Tom. I'm you not saying watch it, it isn't good. I I'm just sorry, I didn't mean to raise it. my voice. <laughs> no, please raise your voice. <laughs> it's a good freaking show. <laughs> the first I episode, you may it. not realize it, but it's really good. I'm a little disappointed by the movie for lots of reasons, but... One of the things is that the show is really good. Keely's amazing. Um, she is the ship's mechanic. And Joe had a theory that had the show continued, you would actually find out that uh, Keely was like a type of technomancer because the way she communicates with the ship or speaks for the ship is very much like she has this other connection to it. I am... Um, what's it's, McCall? It's isn't show. there like Isn't there like a weird thing where... When they aired the show, they aired it out of order. Yeah. So, like, yeah. if it if it's online, how do I make sure I watch the first, like, the real first episode and not the false first episode? Um, I, I think it's in the order online. Like, if you watch it on Netflix, it's in the order. Um, I mean, part of the issue is that they had no knowledge that this was going to be the end, and it was just kind of, like, thrusted upon them. So... The last actual episode, I think, is, like, one where Mal, um, Nathan Fillion, has to bring home the body of one of his fellow soldiers who was, like, a young kid when he was the captain um, of the, of the like, anti-alliance. But um, 
what they show in order is that this episode with a mercenary is the last episode because um, that tells you a lot more about like River and what River is capable of. Okay. Yeah. Isn't it? Just did watch come it. Out, it did come out in the arts, so you can make me watch it by doing I an know. episode on it. I know. I thought about that with Pride and Prejudice last night too, when we were talking about Lars von Trier. Mm, oh, fuck that old. Fuck I feel Lars like, von Trier. I feel like I'd actually have to explain a lot more about Pride and Prejudice to you than I would Firefly. Lars von Trier hates women, <laughs> and he is probably a Nazi. Yeah, I just don't like Lars von Trier. Like, there, I, I said him. it. We're both film people, and we don't like Lars von Trier. I, I think I have a stronger hatred to this man. I don't... I think it's because I hate the idea that his his movies are so linked and tied to the horror community. But I like, was going to say, I think you have more of a connection to the demographic that he usually falls under. But, like, most... Like, I, I, I think a lot of horror fans don't like his movies, but a lot of horror fans who want to look smarter than the average horror fan and also want to pretend to be film buffs they love Lars von Trier movies because art and I'm just like fuck that I hate this I hate his stupid he also like because you were mentioning the movie um what was the movie that he's known like most known for um oh I mentioned a few of them I mentioned Dancer in the Dark which I don't care for and then the one where Emily Watson gets stoned to death, which I don't care for. And then there's Antichrist. And that was the one oh. I was supposed to watch for a class. Oh, don't. And then, no. Don't watch and it. And then there was uh, Melancholia. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, Bjork? Oh, Bjork. It was Bjork, Bjork. and Dance in the Dark. He abused yeah. the shit out of her. But nobody sure. talks about it because it's fucking art. It's like, no, 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 no. Abuse is abuse. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Also, I don't know. Dancer in the Dark is definitely one of those things where, like, art film buff, art music film people like to act like they're such a big fan of. And then I'm like, but do you actually enjoy that movie? Like, nobody tells me they like Dancer in the Dark. They just own it. And it's, I don't think, I think if you actively, if you actually, and I'm, I'm calling you motherfuckers out, if you actually sit, and this is coming from a guy who watches Friday the 13th movies, if you sit and watch a Lars von Trier movie and actually say that you enjoyed it, like you mm-hmm. actually enjoyed it unironically and said, I like this movie, I think you might have a problem. <laughs> right, because like all of his movies end with violence against women. Always violence against women. Yeah, yeah. I don't Um, care that if an antichrist Willem Dafoe rips his penis off, that doesn't make up for the fact that he's abused women in every movie. Yeah, and also, you know, he says like, oh, this is part of my depression trilogy. Bitch, like depression does not mean causing violence against women. If your depression involves violence against women and... Like, these stories somehow help you deal with that, then you need to figure out some other issues. Like, why is it that violence against women helps you cope with depression? Yeah, that that should be a problem. If you are like, I am not depressed when I'm actively committing visual violence against women, I think that 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 calls into question a lot of things. And maybe therapy would help. Uh, Making movies where you actively assault women is not therapy. 
Yeah, I also just, I don't understand Charlotte Gainsbourg's connection with him. I love Charlotte Gainsbourg. I think she's a fantastic actress. I love her as a musician. I think she's a wonderful musician. Um, I know her father was also a famous French musician. I think she's great. I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. Eh, whatever. Ani also made those terrible nympho movies. Yes, yeah, I think that was supposed to be his, like, last couple of movies with her in them but like ugh, i don't know it's too much i do i will say i think i had um there's a lore at my job where some people i work with we i talk about how much i don't like him and mm-hmm. we call him the man we shall not name yeah because well, he's also like, not liked by like i think the same person who says they like Lars von Trier is the same person who says that the best Darren Aronofsky movies are Pi and Requiem of a Dream. Oh, those are hard. Requiem for a Dream is a very tough movie to watch. Like, yeah. you wa- I, like I, I watched them when I was younger, and even when I was younger and dumber, I was like, I never need to watch this again. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Never I mean, again. <laughs> yeah. Black Swan is, I, I do think, is a really valuable movie. There are some like... questions whether or not that is associated with a famous Japanese anime movie. I don't know enough about that. I liked Black Swan, but anything other than that, I'm like, this guy, just take away his scarf privileges. Yeah, you need to... Courtney, we need to make movies and not be like we just need to make non-pretentious real movies. <laughs> I like, don't know. Non-pretentious just real movies about real things. But I also like fantasy situations. Well, I mean like real emotions. Like like okay, with and I think to tie it back to the show. The show yes, does back to the children's show. Tackle tackles real emotions through the I it think does. it does. I was listening to, oddly enough, and it will. I promise it will tie to this. I was wa- I was listening to a film critic. Um, forgot her name. She was really good. She was talking about Halloween mm-hmm. and genre film, mm-hmm. and she was talking about how, because in like the 2018 Halloween, you know, off the footsteps of Me Too, and you know, Jamie Lee Curtis made an act of like part of her coming back was to have like a hand in producing and have a strong like influence on the script. So there Mm -hmm. is a bit of that, like, energy in the movie of fighting back against trauma. And they made a point that sometimes when you take an an out-the-otherworldly thing, like in fantasy or horror, Mm -hmm. and you give it a subtext of progressive ideology, it's easier to swallow than to give it outright front. And I think the show kind of does that when it comes to accepting death and, like, loss in a way Mm. because it's like Mm -hmm. this is the fun quirky show about the girl with the laptop who you know sees yeah she's got the tattoo choker necklace and she puts her hair in cute buns yeah but then then you watch like that banshee episode really did hit in a place like i I was just like this is like a beautiful beautifully sad but like just beautiful around like way for to explain to a child the inevitability of death Mm-hmm. And it's easier. I think it's easier for people to swallow that pill than to like put a picture of a dead person and be like, "This happens." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, this happens. Did you, <laughs> did you watch the Rebecca episode? 
No, what's the Rebecca episode? Okay, it's in season one, and it's, like, about the family. So Molly talks about, like, her childhood best friend and how they hit it off and um, how devastating it was for Molly that her family just up and left one day when they were 13 and she never saw her best friend again. She runs into her while they're on tour and she's still 13. Oh. So... It turns out that her best friend actually is sort of this, like, supernatural anomaly that um, she ages, but it's at an incredibly slow rate. So it's like she ages every hundred years. So she was actually, like, 13,000 years old or 1,300 years old. That's Um, crazy. But what the show is really about is sort of, like, the emotional loss that Molly felt and sort of, like, that devastating loss when you're a kid that, like, you lose your best friend and they just move away and you can never hear from them again. And it's almost poetic that when she sees her again, she's the same age. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, like, when you miss, like, when you get... Dealing with it now. When you deal with that kind of abandonment, you create this like image of the person of the last time you saw them and it almost creates like a myth of them. So it is this weird, cool parallel that like in the show she sees her and she actually is that age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a I very like, I gotta watch that. That's interesting. I feel like you should also watch then the the lost episode where she is communicating um with the woman who's in a coma and it's sort of like she's navigating the like child version of the patient home because so she starts to communicate with her and so on this is where this is where like some aughts choices are very interesting so on fee's end on the computer it's coming up as like an im chat the communication with the psyche of the patient who is like in the form of a child right Mm -hmm. and then when the child is hearing Fee respond. She is hearing her voice. Ah. You could make some super doopy, like super duper, um, like excuse for it that like, oh, when you're in a coma, you can still hear the voices of the people around you or something like that. But I don't know how she would know exactly what Fee's voice sounds like while she's instant messaging her, but okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. That is odd. Yeah, so um, what happens in the episode is, so the little girl in the brain explains to her where she is. She's like, I'm trying to get home and I'm lost. So Fee tries to help her. She tries to help her find her home. But then you find out that like inside the coma, like inside the dream of the person in the coma, um, the map has changed since then. So then Fee has to somehow navigate her home and also, like, figure out how to navigate her home when the woman's hometown looks completely different now. Huh. That's a good, yeah, wow. Yeah, and it's like how, I mean, like, I'm feeling it now. I don't know how you feel about, like, our hometown, but I'm looking at it now and I'm like, this town looks completely different to me than when we were kids. I do get that idea. Like, I can't even, like... Like, a sister just graduated high school. I but know! Like I, so, sometimes I've seen going... I remember when I went back to it, I'm like, this is not the same high school. Yeah. Yeah, now they want to move it? 
What? Did you hear about so that? Where? Yeah, they want to move the high no. school. I don't know. I think it's like next door. We should take Bikini Bottom and push it somewhere else. Literally next door? Yeah, and then they're like, well, it'll have these facilities and it'll be this bigger. And it's like, okay, great, but what if you don't use it properly, then what's the point? Also, they put so much money into it. Where is it? I know. Where... Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, I do think that, like, the high school should be bigger because we had a very small high school. But I'm just not sure they're going to do the right things with it. In five years, they'll probably change their minds again anyways. And just bring it back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were like, well, we decided not to do that. And then I think in the article that I saw it in, they even started with, you may be surprised by this because we've opened and closed a lot of schools in the past 20 years. And it's like, yeah, yes, we know. And it's not good. <laughs> Saying it like that they doesn't make it up, any better. They moved up an entire, like, they built an entire, like, kindergarten facility that they just said, nah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so, like, I thought that that was a really interesting concept of that episode was that, you know, the uh, person in her coma dream is only remembering it as she remembers. And it makes a lot of sense because that's the age that she was when she entered the coma. So that's all that she has of her hometown. And then, you know, for it not to be anything like that or to have to navigate around the changes, um, I felt like was very intense for a children's show. That is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we talked about the Banshee. I've talked mm -hmm. about the first two episodes. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the siren, but please, mm -hmm. will you talk about the troll episode? Oh my God, can I talk about the troll episode? Yes, I want to know okay. about the troll. And you said it was, what, Swedish? Um, Norwegian. Um, which was really funny because I think this episode came out around the same time as they did a concert with M2M. Yes, this makes sense because this episode came out April 1st, 2000. Oh my god, M2M! Yes! And they do a whole thing where they talk about their, like, Norwegian traditions of trolls. And I love it so much. Don't say you love me. You, you don't, don't need me, 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 me if you really, you really want, want me. me. Then give, give me, me some, some time. time. That was on the Pokemon movie soundtrack. It was. We'll have to talk about it. Oh my god, I'm Don't too go in. there, baby. Not before I'm ready. Don't say your heart's in. Okay, all right. All right. We'll have to do karaoke one day where we always choose them to have songs. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So, um, they... They're, they have to pull over their tour bus for a reason. And mm -hmm. it's, like, right in front of this bridge that apparently, like, needs work. Or, like, there's some reason they can't get across the bridge. And then they come across this old woman in, like, hilariously traditional Scandinavian wardrobe. Queen and shit. Yeah, yeah. And... She just starts asking them questions while they're staying with her, like, in her kitchen. She'll just ask them questions, and then if they get it wrong, they turn into vegetables, oh, but they God still bless. have their faces. Oh, that's, 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 ah. It's amazing, because it's so weird. <laughs> that would bug me out quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, oh, also her name is Astrid. 
so Fee starts to question what's going on. And I think she's the one who finds the vegetable who looks like her brother. Oh. oh so boy. she starts freaking out. Um, I don't think Eric Von Detten is in this episode. He's not in the cast, so he must have been off the show for a little bit. But it does have his quote-unquote brother, Eric Lively, in it. Um, Carrie. So she um, answers the trolls' questions. And then... Um, the, it, it turns out that, like, Astrid is not, like, a cute little old woman. She's actually, like, this big, huge, like, terrifying troll man. And it's just so funny. Um, I love that the troll in the female form is named Astrid. I love that it's, like, a gender-swapping troll. God bless the troll. God bless the troll. Um... You know, we're not about, like, troll gender conformity here. Yeah. You know, trolls are allowed to be whatever gender they choose or not choose to be. We're breaking all the gender norms. That's right. That's right. Um, and it's just, like, it's a really wild episode because, like, somebody had to either, like, chisel the faces into the foods or create prosthetics for it. And it's just so, it's oddly eerie. And also hilarious at the exact same time. As a troll should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I feel like it was around this time where like M2M was talking about like Norwegian trolls. And then they have this episode come out. It was just, it's a good episode. Hell yeah. So, and those are the episodes that I, I do really enjoy. I like the ones that are based off of like folklore and mythology and like urban legends Instead of, like, werewolves and vampires. Which they do have a few of those episodes. Ooh, alright. Yeah. I'm sold. I might revisit. Because there's going to be, like, a day where I just want to watch some, like, Halloween TV shows. Like, mm-hmm. watch some Are You Afraid of the Dark? Some some Goosebumps. This will definitely be on there. Some Scooby-Doo. Which I wanted to pitch this before we wrap. Okay. I wanted to pitch it to you. I'm going to leave this in. Mm-hmm. Um, um, how would you feel... Mm-hmm. about for the final episode in the series. Mm-hmm. Can we talk Scooby-Doo, the 2002 live-action movie? Oh, my God, I love that movie. Can we talk about oh it? James okay. Gunn's Scooby-Doo. Wait, James Gunn directed that? Yeah, he wrote it. He wrote oh both. My God. He wrote that and the sequel, which I haven't seen the sequel, so oh. I'll watch that one, too. My goodness. Okay, Tom, I mentioned <laughs> a scene in the second one in an office meeting and it was received with just a deafening silence. And I felt very uncomfortable. Really? Why? Well, we were talking about, we were doing icebreakers and like, because I work with a bunch of like artsy and like musical theater nerds, we start every meeting with an icebreaker. And this one was about um, like, what Halloween costumes would we want to be? And somebody mentioned, um, the Scooby gang and how like there's a lot of like sexy versions of the Scooby gang. And then I just mentioned like, well, Linda Cardellini like really worked it up for the second movie. And then it just got really quiet. That's a really, that's shame on them. You, nothing you said was bad. You, was everything so you said was, everything you said was correct. Right. Cause Linda Cardellini did look good in her latex suit. She did. Yeah, James just, Gunn. Nobody James, knew what I was talking about. 
understand them. Well, this is weird. Well, they but like here's the thing: they don't live in a world where they aren't aware of the Scooby Doo movie from 2002, starring Freddie Prince Jr., Sarah Michelle Gellar, Matthew Lillard. Like, yeah. how do you, you know, Linda a fire cast? They have to know that movie happened. They didn't just not exist in the year 2002. I know. And then I'm like, am I the only person in this room who knows who Linda Cardellini is? Like, is that what the issue is? (laughs) I want you to go back into that office, slam your fist on the table and be like, I'm not the weird one. You're the weird one. (laughs) Yeah, I should have just ended it with like, y'all are making me feel weird. And I don't think that's fair because y'all are weird. How did they just completely miss out on this movie? Like if it was like room full of Zoomers, then maybe. But that's if, like, what... the oldest person in the room was 21, then I get it. But how do you not live to the 2000s and not remember? Oh, yeah, there was two live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah, that's where I think they, they tried to break off the silence, and they were just, like, one of them said, like, after, like, a very long pause after my comment about Linda Cardellini, um, then they just said, huh, I've never seen those movies. And then they're all like, yeah, me neither. And I'm like, well, now you just made this weird for me. (laughs) And I feel attacked. Oh, yeah. No, yes, so Scooby-Doo! Yes, let's watch the Scooby-Doo movie. I love the Scooby-Doo movie. The CGI does not age well, but you know what does? That cast. And you know what else? Yeah, Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard would go on to voice Scooby-Doo in all the cartoons. Except Matthew? for this most recent movie, which is a shame. You don't get rid yeah. of Matthew Lillard as, as Shaggy. Um, Griffin Newman from Blank Check actually auditioned for Scooby for the newest movie. And really? I think, I don't think that has anything to do with Matthew Lillard or Griffin Newman. I think that has everything to do with the administration of that movie. Because he had said that he was told during the audition, okay, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want to do for Scooby because we want to do something completely different. He does something completely different. And then he gets a rejection letter because they said, you know what, we just are we're gonna go with the guy that who who used to do it all the time. <laughs> no, they um for the Scooby from I think it's just called Scoob. Mm-hmm. And I think it was and it's not a bad guy, it's Will Forte. Oh, I love Will Forte. Yeah, I love him too. So, like, you know, I, he has a lisp. I did not know he has a lisp. Yeah, that means that he actively had to act against it during SNL and Last Man on Earth. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. So, yeah, it's not that it, there's nothing against Will Forte, but like Matthew Lillard's been Shaggy for so long. Wait, is it Shaggy or Scooby that he's Shaggy? That he was... Yeah. Oh, it's Shaggy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Lillard's been shaggy for a long time. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought so, but then you said Scooby, so I was confused. Oh, I might have slipped up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So so Griffin Newman did audition for Scooby. Okay, and then they that were like, sense. never mind, we're gonna go with the person we've always used for Scooby. Wait, Amanda Seafried plays Daphne in the Scoob movie? Sure. You know what? <sighs> sure. All right, so Scooby-Doo, written by James Gunn. He wrote both. It's a great movie. I don't remember the second one. I've only seen it once, I think, when I had pneumonia once. And uh, I don't really remember much about it, but I do remember Linda Cardellini. Yes. 
And also Peter Boyle. I think Peter Boyle's in the second one. Yes, he is. He's in... I think he's in both. No, I think he's just in the second one. I don't think he's in the first one. Who would he be in the first one? I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. No, no. Um, yeah. Amazing movie. Bad CGI. Amazing movie. Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher. That's right. Yeah. She is in the first one. I'm excited for this. Are we going to watch both of them or just one? I, I'm down to do both, but okay. let's, we could just say the first one if time allows. Okay. Well, All right. speaking of time. Yes, it is time to wrap the show, everybody. Tom. Yes. Since you are new to So Weird, I want to ask you first, because you have a very yeah. unbiased opinion. Okay. Do you think that this show would be as successful today as it was back then? I don't know what the kids are watching. Mm. But I think that with the quality of writing and the quality in the production, I think it would do well. Yeah. I think it would do well for a spooky audience. I think it's time kids get another spooky show. I don't think there's been a lot of spooky shows for kids in a lot in a while. Oh, apparently the teens love Squid Game though. Yes, but that's the thing, like I think remember how we talked about how like all the networks as they began more they started to franchise and market more. They started to become more family friendly. Mm-hmm. I think kids are always inevitably going to be curious into the macabre or the supernatural or the mysterious. And I think when television stopped giving it to them, kids found it on their own. Like mm-hmm. there was definitely a prominent rise, especially in the early 2010s of kids becoming obsessed with like creepy pastas and Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, I remember when John oh, that's was true. young. She loved... So, like, kids are always going to love spooky shit. So, I think it's time... Like, if this came out now, I think it's the perfect medium of being family-friendly with complex storytelling mm-hmm. and just spooky mm-hmm. elements. So, I think I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Kids, I... kids want and deserve spooky things. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Gen Z is a sad bunch. Um, and I think that they would like the sadness of the show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I totally forgot that Gen Z is the generation that grew up with Five Nights at Freddy. No wonder they love Squid Game. They're yeah. like, this is my whole life. <laughs> A oh race to make money to pay off my debts. Yeah, and they're literally seeing it happen in the pandemic, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, poor Gen Z. Um, yeah. We have to protect them. Um, well, what do you think? Do you think it would hold up? Yeah, I I think it'd be good. I mean, I also enjoyed Mackenzie Phillips as a kid because, um, you know, she was a real musician and I thought she was a pretty strong actress in this. It would be nice to see some other actress, musician who maybe would like to do the same thing with their career that Mackenzie Phillips did with the role um, at this mm-hmm. point. Like, I don't know what the parallel would be, but it would be really interesting to see. Like, what if, what if it was like Michelle Branch? You know, Ooh, okay, that'd be so fun. I don't want it to be remade because I feel like it would just be TikTok influencers and it would be terrible. Oh, no, that's upsetting. But I think the concept would be really good. Yeah, the concept is great. Yeah. All well, right. Well, yes. What has been your obsession? Uh, Pepe the pumpkin. Pepe the pumpkin. <laughs> I love how well my Pepe the Frog pumpkin came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
It is spectacular. I'm still on that pumpkin game. Mm-hmm. Also, um, my I doing more photography when I can. I ended up last minute. I messaged you on Sunday. I was working, but I'm like, should I go to this thing mm-hmm. where there's metal bands playing? And I took. Mm-hmm. I did. I went. Got some great photos and made some great friends. The name. Yeah. The band's name is Solemn Visions. They're a local Brooklyn act. Very good. Very like. They're a death metal with melody. Like, they have some nice melodic interludes between the heavy, like, very aggressive death metal. And I loved mm-hmm. it. It was a great time. Cool. I'm glad you went. Thank you. Yeah. Um, hmm. What is my obsession? I think the new Halsey album. Fair. I if remember I... you messaged me yeah. about her new tattoo. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's her new tattoo. It's just, I was watching the live video for I'm not a woman, I'm a God. And then I saw that she had a little no face tattoo. Um, did you watch that music video? I did not. Oh, it was good. Okay. Um, if I can't have love, I want power is really good. It's hard to get off of I'm not a woman, I'm a God, because that's such a good song. Um, but I guess one of her influences and, um, uh, an inspiration for the album has been Princess Azula from Avatar. Okay. And I feel like it makes a lot of sense because Halsey is someone who is also just filled with pure talent and rage and sorrow all at once. And it's like, you know, she becomes a mom and it suddenly makes her this like very powerful feeling uh, creature that she's like I I can create life I made a human I'm a god and then at the same time like that's what we expect from people with uteruses that we expect them to become a mom but now is it like dangerous that Halsey feels this powerful from it you know now is that not okay for Halsey to express their experiences with pregnancy and ch- and motherhood you know um and I also just really love, like, the relation to Azula in the sense of, like, um, if she couldn't have that childhood love from her parents, then she wants all the power in the world. And that's what I love about Princess Azula. Princess Azula is, like, a great villain in just, like, all of pop culture. So um, I like those two in, like, cahoots with each other. It's, it's okay. a nice pairing. So, yeah, I would okay. say the new Halsey album. Oh, how did I miss the obvious one? Uh, Halloween Kills. Oh, yeah. Did you like it? I liked it a lot. It's yeah. not as strong as the 2018 one. Yeah. Like, I think the way I put it is that this movie suffers from being entirely the second act to a three-act structure because okay. they have the third one coming mm-hmm. out. And it's like, they were also filming this around the pandemic. The writing yeah. and some of the production got sloppy. But it has some strong themes. Okay. They, this this one I really appreciated. They have a scene that finally addresses the unfortunate stigma this movie franchise has with the mentally ill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It addresses very tragically like mental illness does not equate to violence and the stigma that mass hysteria can create is very dangerous. So I think that was very clever. It just suffers from being you know, made during a pandemic, forced into being the second act and just kind of got sloppy. But like, Mm. they do these flashback scenes. Like the flashbacks, I would say like 
make up like one fourth of the movie. They like flash back to the the original night, like nineteen seventy eight, mm-hmm. and it's shot super well. And it's they have a guy playing Doctor Loomis. And I first I thought like, oh, they you know they they did that face thing. They CGI'd his face. No, it's actually all makeup. Like I watched the thing oh, wow. and how they did it. They took a guy and put makeup on him and made him look just like Doctor Loomis. And oh, the, wow. The show's stupid, but Harvey from the new Sabrina plays one of the sheriffs okay. in 1978, and I love him. It's If there's anything to watch for that movie, I guess maybe because like the, the flashback scenes involve so little characters, it was probably easier to shoot and take their time because you mm. can tell there's a lot of really good work that went into that. But then some of the larger scenes where there's like a lot of people on screen, I imagine like concerns of covid get everyone tested having limited time it's just some of it felt like there's just some stupid elements but otherwise i liked mm-hmm. it i dug it not as good okay. as the last one but a, a solid michael myers thriller i think it's funny that in the first of a four part real housewives of beverly hills reunion uh kyle richards apparently keeps trying to insist um, you know, she keeps like plugging Halloween Kills because she's in it. And it's like, Kyle, please read the room. Nobody cares about Halloween Kills in this setting. All right. We all want to know about Erica Girardi's money and financial problems. Okay. <laughs> like Shoot. she will just t- like t- chime in during the reunion and be like, Halloween Kills is coming out this October. And it's like, bitch, leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so funny when you told me that i was like i had no idea she was in the real housewives oh my god it's so funny kim richards was also one of the original housewives and then kathy hilton comes on and i think that kyle is just upset that kathy is on because she's clearly the richer sister oh jesus yeah i mean you can't beat kathy hilton she's she's pretty great um but yeah, I, I think that Kyle's only plot to the show is like, I was in a Halloween movie again. And it's like, we are really focused on the fact that like Erica's husband, who was one of the lawyers in the Aaron Brockovich case, has stolen money from airplane crash victims. Okay, that's what we want to talk about here. Read the room. Yes, that's totally fair. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Mm-hmm. This is the second to last spooky eerie mm-hmm. solstice mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. spooktacular savings i caught myself and saved myself there eerie solstice spooktacular savings spice latte season yes although my co-worker said it should be the eerie equinox wow wow <laughs> feedback even after we adjusted for him no okay. it was a different co-worker canard said it should be the eerie equinox oh okay well if canard said no <laughs> um we will consider the equinox for the next uh sinister mm. season yes but thank you guys so much be sure to follow us on the instagram at remember the zero zero s podcast Bam. you can be sure to listen to us on just just type it into your web browser. Remember the pod remember the ots, you'll find mm-hmm. it. It's on Google, mm-hmm. the YouTube, the Amazon, not by choice. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. Mm-mm. Um Apple for you fuckers. <laughs> I'm so violent towards Apple. I know, fans. I know. You're very aggressive to our Apple fan base. <sighs> Although funny moment. Um William Shatner in space is my favorite one. I should have made that my obsession. He was so funny. 
Wait, what? They uh, Jeff Bezos put William Shatner in space. What the fuck, man? He can't and go William... do something adorable like that. He's not allowed and... to do cute things no. like that. Although, I will say, William Shatner had such a profound experience. And he's also, mind you, he's sober. Um, oh, really? As soon as, yeah, as soon as they landed, uh, they I wanted to know how William Shatner felt. But Jeff Bezos rudely interrupts to make it about himself and like cracks open champagne and sprays it everywhere and has the fucking gall to offer Shatner a glass and Shatner's like no. He's the worst. It's like you asshole. How do you not know? He's the fucking worst. I swear to God. He almost just ruined that entire man's sobriety. How dare you? How dare you, Jeff Bezos? Yeah. God. um, I think I'm going to end this episode on the commentary from William Shatner because it is Maybe my favorite thing of all time, William yeah. Shatner in space. It is beautiful. Absolutely. All right, with that, guys, till next time. Bye. So I started reading about Ireland instead. And the interesting thing is, here's this beautiful place, but as far as I can tell, it has more mythical creatures per square foot than any place on Earth. But the scariest of them all has got to be the Banshee. The wailing of the Banshee is supposed to foretell death. This sound has been described as a mix of the cry of an abandoned child and the screech of a lost soul in torment. Nothing you'd want to hear at 2 a.m., which is usually when they show up. Some legends say that Banshees only come to foretell the death of those who have royal blood. But others say that a Banshee can follow any family of ancient lineage, especially those gifted with music and song.